0: Welcome to Decision Vision, a podcast series focusing on critical business decisions. Brought to you by Brady Ware & Company. Brady Ware is a regional, full-service accounting and advisory firm that helps
1: businesses
0: and entrepreneurs make visions a reality. And welcome to another episode of Decision Vision, a podcast giving you, the listener, clear vision to make great decisions. In each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic, Rather than making recommendations because everyone's circumstances are different, we talked to subject matter experts about how they would recommend thinking about that decision. My name is Mike Blake, and I am your host for today's program. I'm a director at Bradyware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia, which is where we are recording today. Brady Ware is sponsoring this podcast. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please also consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. And so our topic today is should you close your business? And um, uh, I, I predict this topic is going to have a lot of interest because it's, it's kind of one of those topics nobody wants to talk about. Um, when you're an entrepreneur – uh, particularly if you're a first-time entrepreneur, you sort of have boundless optimism. The last thing you want to think about is kind of the end of the road. You, you hope it never happens. And, you know, talking to entrepreneurs about, about closing a business is kind of like talking to your, your parents or your grandparents about their funeral arrangements. It's, it's about as pleasant and comfortable a conversation and, and uh, you about as enthusiastic engagement. But the fact of the matter is that not every business survives forever you know doesn't in fact most businesses don't survive even a year or two and sometimes closing a business effectively and efficiency is as important as how you run the business because if you do it the wrong way the results can be very unpleasant and even disastrous if you do it the right way that often means that you kind of live to fight another day and uh, I am delighted to invite uh, miles King on the program. miles is a, a serial entrepreneur, and uh, uh, he actually he actually is usually on the other side of the microphone rather than than being the uh, the, the target here of the interview. And you know, I, I'm I'm very grateful, and I, I hope our listeners are grateful because not everybody wants to talk about this kind of subject. You know, Milas is willing is is willing to do it, and I think it takes a lot of courage, It takes a lot of emotional maturity. To, to do that because you do talk about some very tough subjects and we'll, we'll probably be li- reliving some kind of tough moments here. And uh, I'm very grateful that Milas is willing to do that with us um, uh, today. Uh, Milas is co-founder of Da Vinci's Pizzeria, which is a small pizza chain with various locations around Atlanta. Founded in 2006 as an original concept, they built their brand on forgotten values in today's distracted tech-driven society. I say this as I'm reading off of both a smartphone and an iPad. Be the Neighborhood ex- Pizzeria of Choice through the passionate commitment to food quality, guest experience, employee empowerment, and community advocacy is their motto. Milas, thank you so much for joining us today. Okay.
1: Thanks for having
0: me. So you've got one business that we just talked about. You're in the pizza business. Are you in any other, uh, any other businesses? You're not just a one- you're not just a one-trick pony, are you? Uh,
1: Yeah, I have a, a couple of things. I, I um, have an e-commerce group in Scanner Society, and I just started a real estate company.
0: And um, I kind of wonder, you know, if, if you have, I'm going to go off script for just a second. I promise I'll come back to it. But that answer kind of begs the question, you know, you you've closed a couple of businesses in your career.
1: That's correct.
0: Is the fact that you've had to close a couple of businesses, do you think that drives the fact that you have multiple businesses now? Is that sort of a diversification thing?
1: (laughs) Uh, Sort of, because it's like you put a couple of horses in the race and see which one you think you're going to go all in on. Um, Because that way, for me, it's worked out better, so I didn't have two, three years not doing anything else when I could have been, you know, maybe something would have shown better promise in the beginning. So, yes, that is part of it.
0: So what what kinds of businesses have you had and, and have had to close over the years? Uh,
1: the first one was my original passion, which was video production. Uh, so I did a studio back in 92. Um, I had a building, uh, employees, and then the DSLR came out. And what happened was all the corporate clients I used to get, they started going to the schools. And then the schools, back then, you had to find a good film program. Now everybody had a film program. So you have this massive influx of every quarter uh, media professionals coming out. And then the corporate people would just start going to these local colleges to get their things produced. And so it really just dried up and and, kind of disrupted the business.
0: So overnight, that technology... Made your business with something lo- viable and I hope you know financially successful into something that was really going to be a struggle because in, in effect it democratized your skill set.
1: Absolutely. Like when I started, uh, one of the major things I did was weddings. Wedding videos is a big one. Uh, all the students can just go in on Craigslist and say, I do your wedding video for or $500. And I used to get around two grand to do a wedding video. And th- there was a two year span where the prices just cratered, and it got, I looked around at my numbers. This is year eight or nine of me doing over hundreds of weddings, and yet my sales were down, my network was better, my work was better, and my marketing was better, but sales were dropping. That's when I knew it was, it was the forest.
0: At some point, you can't fight City Hall, right? Yes. It doesn't matter how good you are. At some point, it's just not, not going to happen. Now what else? You've had at least one other business that, that was uh,
1: another pizza chain, uh, yeah. Big Fellas. That was before nine eleven, and we tried to compete in a space with our brand that wasn't our strength. So we was trying to use, for example, Pizza Hut controlled pricing, Papa John's was quality, and Domino's was service. And yet we didn't hang our hat on anything. We tried to compete with them all in that, and that really did us in. So.
0: If you you learn there was a reason they all sort of picked their one thing exactly you couldn't be all things to all right. people. So I, I want to focus on that because you you know, you're, you're in business with my wife and she told me something that you told her that I've told to dozens of people now, which I think is is extremely profound. If I'm going to ask you this a different way, because I want you to tell it, y- your first pizza business was not successful. You then turned around and started another one. Mm-hmm. Why?
1: I told my partner, literally after we closed, I told him, we have to do it again. I said otherwise, everything we just learned is a waste. And he was looked at me. He was kind of like, "Whatever, man." He was not <laughs> trying to to hear what we just went through. And yeah. I just, I, t- I said, "We got to. All this we just learned, we would do everything differently. So let's do it differently."
0: And, and you know that makes perfect sense because you literally just paid one of the most expensive tuitions you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Right. Right. Without the benefit of student loans, even <laughs> right. right, you got, you know, we'll, we'll probably get into this, right, and and that, but then you're right, you you've just learned that, you know, maybe your ex, your execution may have been great, all the other things are great, but the fundamental strategy was you couldn't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. You try it again, and then maybe you can have some su- success. Yes, and um, you know, that's not something that's celebrated enough. Google is Google is famous for the fail fast, and they celebrate failure right mm-hmm. and i think it's because of that celebration of failure that makes them what they are is because there's a fact of life but as bill gates says success is a lousy teacher mm, right <laughs> um so pick either one of the businesses doesn't matter how hard is it to come to that realization that this thing's just got to stop we're at the end well, if,
1: if you pay attention to your business and the data, you let the data lead you there, when you look at everything you had going for you and if it all starts to move against you and you look outside your company to see what other ones are experiencing, it's easier to accept that you have did what you could and you might need to pivot to something else.
0: Interesting. So so you look at, I guess, in the photo and the, the the video business, you saw, it wasn't just you that was really suffering. All your competitors couldn't give their businesses away.
1: Absolutely. Like, I used to do music videos, and with the iPhone, all the artists start shooting their own. And they start trying to come to me, use their name as a credit card. And the record labels used to pay for it, then they, they start taking it out of the artists. So, all that just collapsed, uh, as an example.
0: And, you know, in some respect, you know, it's it's. I mean, it's smart not to fight that. There's even a part of my business that is now going away due to technology. You know, and, and I lost one of my oldest clients, actually, a ten-year client, to that technology, right? But in the cold, hard light of day, I have to acknowledge that they're probably making the better choice mm-hmm. by going with the automated, right? And I've got to pivot and find something else useful to do as well, right? You know, technology is just one thing that's really hard to fight. Yes. So um, so you, you talk about data, and, and I know that you're a big data guy. Um, what, what are some of those data points that, that kind of say, well, you know, this is not just a speed bump. This is a, this is a structural event.
1: The video or the pizza? Either one. Okay. Oh, well, I can do both, both quickly. In video, like I said, my network was stronger. My product was as good as it's ever been. And uh, my marketing was as good as it's ever been. But the sales were dropping um, precipitously. And then when I looked at the technology and what the students were doing and why it was dropping, then I knew. It was an easy, it was an easy solution. It wasn't me. It was like... You know, it's like trying to sell pagers now. It's just something you would No matter what your marketing is, you can't sell pagers. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> I'm expecting a call from 1986. Right,
1: right. right. So that, I knew that when we had to pivot. Currently, even though we rebooted in '06 for Da Vinci's, the pizzeria, now 13 years later, things have changed again. We have a lot of um, perfect example, uh, labor costs are at a search level that was never there before. And I've said before, you can't pay someone $20 an hour to take an order. Yes, they need that to live, but it's just not there in food. You can't, it's not efficient. Right.
0: You can, I mean, you can't sell $30 pizzas. <laughs> right, exactly. Markets will not sustain that.
1: Right. And then another issue is the apps. The delivery services have wedged themselves more and more in between our customer. And so we're losing data and insight to our customers. For example, Uber Eats. They take thirty percent of the order, and we have none of the data.
0: Now, I'd heard about that 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 cut, and and the fact that it's. I read in the Wall Street Journal about four, six weeks ago, something like that. That you know, these order services are being are being very disruptive in a different way, just making it harder to operate a business because businesses are you know operating a takeout business is yes. just different operationally, right than you know, a sit down quick service restaurant, right? Correct. But, but now if you don't have that, you're dead because so many so many Americans now culturally they they don't want to come into the restaurant. Right. Right. But it, it massively disrupts your operations. So I've understood that part and that and I, I did not know it was thirty percent. I mean yes. I, with a with margins of a restaurant, yes. not many restaurants make a thirty percent margin, period. Right. So the economics had changed there. I never thought about the data. So they now they're also stealing the data from you. Right. And you don't get any of that as a pass-through. Exactly. So you make less money, mm-hmm. your operations are less efficient, yes. and you know less about your customers, exactly. and you own less of the relationship. <laughs> right. Other than that, it sounds like <laughs> right. it's a great deal. <laughs> right.
1: And so Uber or apps as a general, I'd say two years ago, was probably 1% to 2% of our revenue. Yeah. It's now 9%. So it's having an outsized impact on our margins.
0: And then you got to think about too when when you started in 2006 you started a restaurant thinking that you needed a certain footprint because mm-hmm. you're going to have traffic, right, parking, mm-hmm. right? And in Buckhead that ain't easy either, right. right? And and now you've got I'm guessing an asset mismatch. Yes, right. If if that's really where it's going, at some point these pizza chains are just gonna be a, a counter. Right. Right? They'll exactly. be no mm-hmm. And that means less real estate costs, and maybe that's how the business model ultimately works. But if you're caught in the middle on a ten year lease, or God forbid you own the building. Correct. <laughs> you, you can't just sort of switch that on a dime, can you? Right. And that's another example of that's another example of, of technology coming in and You can't fight it. You're either going to adapt or you're not.
1: Yep. So now we've covered labor. We've covered some logistics. Uh, Now let's talk about the actual transactional costs. Five, six years ago, people used cash. And so the credit cards was, as a mix, less than a percent of your revenue. Now we're getting the full hit of that straight to margins, two to three percent, because everybody uses credit card.
0: Huh? And I did not thought of that either. But I can't remember the last time I paid cash for a meal.
1: So you know, you know we do around four hundred k in revenue uh, per month. If you're talking three percent of that, that is twelve grand right off the bottom line. That wasn't there four or five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Now nine percent of 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 app orders. So now we're paying
0: thirty six grand out.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then the labor costs are basically creeping up to twenty dollars an hour. So we feel like the walls are beginning to close in.
0: Yeah. So I guess, what, uh, you know, I guess what's going to happen then, uh, you either got to raise your prices, and mm-hmm. that's either going to happen because you can raise the prices, you can wait it out while your customers go away, but then your competitors will either have to raise prices or shut down and then right. sort of wait for that readjustment. Or do you say, you know what, it's just time to cut our losses, let's get out early.
1: It is it's because it's becoming a scale game. Yeah. So uh, for someone to pick up our restaurants uh, would be a buyer who's looking to really start scaling. And we just don't have the capital uh, because even today these businesses are going to let's compete by seeing who can lose the money the longest so then we yep. can capture the market share and yep. then grow. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I've, I've likened that. Uh, and you see that in the startup world all the time, right? In the startup yes. world, even you know, Uber and Lyft and those guys, they're not making any money. They've gone public. But the, the startup world, or if you've got a structural issue with your business, it's it's almost like chemotherapy. Right. Right. Chemotherapy yeah. is a is is really just a race to see if the cancer dies before the patient does. Right. Right. And that's exactly what you're kind of describing. If you try to stick it out, right? Does the other guy die first, and then I'm exactly. sort of there in a smaller market, and that's that's not easy. Right. So, one of the things that strikes me about, about you, and I, you know, I know you a little bit, that I think might differentiate you a little bit is, at least with this round of businesses that you're in, you're not overly emotional about them, are you?
1: Correct. Not anymore.
0: So, <laughs> with your earlier businesses, were you? Were they kind of your baby? and?
1: Yes, because you started to take it personal and say, well, I failed. What did I do wrong? What could I have done differently? And now I have a more objective view when you look at the data and just see if like when you know what would fix it and then you know I don't have the solution to you to to do that like the scale now for DaVinci to continue to grow we would need massive capital and try to get to scale so
0: I know the solution the question is do I have it and, and was it those first those initial setbacks that taught you to be less emotional yes <laughs> and how does that help you now um,
1: I can be more objective in when I approach something, and I have a more uh, foundational view before I even start. Before it was just like, if we hustle hard enough, we'll make it happen. Well, no, you That's need to check. Taught. Yeah, you need to check the boxes because to me, it's about percentage of success, right? So if none of the boxes are checked, you. Maybe you have a 5%. If you check them all, maybe you have 80% chance of success. So how many boxes can I check when I look at an idea to give me the most uh, percentage
0: for success? Okay. So in, uh, in your previous, it was uh, Big Fellows, right? Yes. You had a business partner. Yes. Did you both agree at the time that it was time to close, or did one of you want to stick it out longer than the other? And How did that, how did that dynamic work? Uh, we both agreed. Okay. So <laughs> at you both same saw time. the same writing? Yes. We're out?
1: Yes. Um with Big Fellows, we didn't have a choice because we ran out of money. We just okay. failed. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we Ex- just failed. The decision was made for you. Right. This one, it was it was definitely both of us, you know, we're high school friends. So this was a lightning strike in that he's been my partner in everything. Uh we just work well together. So this time we looked at the same data and got the same conclusion.
0: Okay. So I like to talk about that, that day you sort of run out of money. Uh, I have to imagine that's a traumatic, panic-inducing experience. It would be for me.
1: It It is like, so. It's it's almost like someone passing away. You really mourn. You feel like you let a lot of people down. Even though you realize everybody will go and get jobs elsewhere, but it feels like, you know, they put their financial well being at least at that moment in your hands yep. and you 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 dropped the
0: ball so yeah it, so wh- when 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 you ran out of i mean were you able to at least make the last payroll were you oh, able sure. to do that you were okay
1: right it w- it was a um uh, an orderly shutdown yeah okay. it wasn't just like they showed up and the door's locked. Okay. no because sometimes that happens right so. absolutely no we didn't do that
0: okay so what what was as you approach that, and you're obviously a very organized guy and you did this in an organized way, what were some of the kind of the, the, the key points of that to-do list when you realized we've got to shut this thing down?
1: Start um, getting your receivables um, caught up and start paying for everything in cash so you can really see where your cash flow is. Um, give the employees a heads up. Uh, we weren't going to just, you know, and and a lot of them appreciate that they'll work all the way through if you let them know everything ahead of time. You say, listen, you know, we're going to be closing down in the next 60 days. And then they'll start looking for things. And they'll even tell their next job, I can't start to this date." Um,
0: so those are the types of things we did. Now that, That's a little counterintuitive because I think most people would say, don't let anybody know you're in trouble, right? That starts the death spiral. You just got to sort of do the cold turkey thing. But, you know, in your experience, if you show people the loyalty to them then they'll show you the loyalty. Thing. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. At least that's how we felt.
0: Okay. And that was in both, you know, did you, did you, so you obviously had, you had employees for the, the, the videography business and you did for the, the pizza business and you found that was roughly the same kind of experience. Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: And funny thing is, this time around with Da Vinci's, a lot of our old employees have come back. We've got managers yeah. that worked with us fifteen years ago. Okay. You know, they were early twenties, now they're thirty something, working with us, been with us since we opened.
0: Right. Yeah, and yeah. You know, um and maybe they'll be with you with the next thing too, right? Yeah. Okay. Could be. So um when you were seeing the handwriting on the wall. Did you think about alternatives? Did you think about trying to sell, trying to merge, anything like that as a way to kind of save the business?
1: No, because maybe we could have, or maybe not, but we look at it as it wasn't worth anything. Okay. You know, so we, just, we didn't even cross our mind. Why would someone buy this? It's dying.
0: <laughs> one of the things I remember from the dot-com era, the, the first one in the late nineties was that you saw a lot of startups merge. Mm. And what they're trying to do is merge their problems away, but at the end of the day, neither one of them had any customers, right? <laughs> so it didn't matter. So the only people that really benefited from that were the accountants and the attorneys <laughs> to create those transaction right. documents. But it, it, you know, generally didn't save those businesses, it,
1: especially in the restaurant space. They're everywhere. Restaurants are everywhere. So unless there's something spectacular about yours to begin with, they might as well just start their own. Yeah, if you're just
0: dying. Right. Yeah, that's true. Right. It's, you know. Uh, you know, selling tickets to the Titanic is a tough sell, right? right? No matter how you slice it, because <laughs> right. you know how the movie hey, ends. You might could turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did you have advisors helping you during these process of closing the businesses? And if so, h- how did they help you?
1: No, and that's probably inexperienced. Maybe we should have, but no, we didn't. So you went it alone. Yes.
0: So what did you learn from that process? Did you make any mistakes any Moves you'd like to have back, or did you kind of figure it out anyway?
1: From closing it down? Yeah. Um, keep your sales tax accurate. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah. The government has a very poor sense of humor about right. sales tax. Right.
1: So we did have a little bit of that. And the biggest thing I, I, I learned was leases, how you're still responsible yeah. for those leases afterwards. Um, and you're like, well, I'm out of business. And like, well, you still have six years on your
0: lease. You signed a personal guarantee. Yes.
1: Right? Um, so that was one. We had to do some negotiations to, to settle those. So that was a big one that was uh
0: didn't realize. Hmm. So um, other than kind of the education, what are, what are some of the other positives you take from closing businesses historically?
1: <laughs> that my partner, Jason, was the right partner because – it could have easily been for- finger-pointing, and it was his fault, and this, that. It, it actually made us our friendship stronger because we had failed together.
0: Now what, what, and what's the nature of that business relationship? Are you the operational guy, and he tends to be more capital, or are you both really rolling up your sleeves? You're both in the business day-to-day. How, what does that look
1: like? In the beginning, we were both operating. Okay. And then, at, at, uh, then in the evening, I would market. And then probably five or six years later, he went operations, and I went more training, uh, marketing, uh, talking to vendors. And now, 10 years in, we both are sort of out of operations. He's really dealing with vendors and just putting out fires every day at the yeah. restaurants. And myself is more of the marketing.
0: Okay. Um, now, one of the things I would think would be for me would be very difficult is how do you decide whether or not the business is in trouble and can be turned around versus it's just got to end for a restaurant it
1: was easier and i have to speak in the restaurant space is your cash flow you would have i could i would benchmark where our cash flow was trending and what it would take to turn that around and you can project out how much months in cash you have And so like the first time, that's how we knew in sixty days without trying to go into debt and do all these these things like let's just end it because we don't really see a solution. So even here now, it's just projecting out cash flow is our number one reason to see what we need to do if we're in trouble.
0: So, you know, having discipline with the numbers obviously is a big deal. There's the numbers, you know, at some point math is math. Yes. Right. Now you you said something there I kinda wanna wanna pursue a little bit. One option business owners have if they have some sort of convictions. You could borrow money mm-hmm. to kind of cover the shortfall. Now, that, that's something you chose not to do. Correct. Is that something you chose not to do on principle that you just, if you had a business in trouble, you just would never borrow money to sustain it, and there's nothing wrong with that? Or is it just because in, in those particular businesses, you did not see a path to victory, so why extend yourself? That's correct.
1: If I, if I see a solution, I will borrow because I have an other interest Uh, circumstances, but if I don't see a path, I'm not going to make it worse by piling debt into it.
0: So, uh, obviously, one theme that's really emerging here is cold self-awareness is so critical. Okay. Because it sounds like, right? Yeah. That there are all kinds of reasons you don't want to close a business, right? You can find a lot of excuses not to close it. Yes. And and people even... People even lend you money when they probably shouldn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, they call us now just,
1: and it's like these mafia loans. Um, But I give an example of of little losses along the way. So we've we've opened five locations. We only have three, so we decided never let uh, something kill the body. Right. So when we did our Roswell location, we we quarantined it. We're like, here's the funds we're dedicating to it. With this how much time it has to get off the ground. If it doesn't, we close it because we're not going to let it drag down the other restaurants we spent years building, trying to make this one's got to work. So we did one in Roswell, that didn't work, and we did one, um, uh, uh Decatur. Yeah. Decatur didn't work, and they didn't work for different reasons. But we
0: quarantined them so the company stayed healthy. Uh, so, so that that's an interesting strategy. So, and. Clearly, that that worked for you to keep the core business going as long as it has, right? So, right. Um, and 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 again, it, it sounds like you do embrace that Google philosophy of failing fast. Right? <laughs> I guess un, unwillingly, maybe. I guess so. <laughs> uh, look, again, it's, it's worked for them, so yeah, it's hard yeah. to argue with 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 that kind of success.
1: So um, I was going to finish that point. So that taught us the power of saying no after that, because your ego starts to be like. Yeah, we could do it. We've got these three. Let's just let's just make it work. And when they start not working, like we've had other uh, locations approach us, like the Brave Stadium. They were a great company. Fuqua, I think that was it. Yeah, Great company. They was, you know, great lease, everything for us to go in there, but we didn't have the cash flow to sustain it, so we had to tell them no. Hmm. And we started doing that after the failure of Roswell and realized you just can't brute force it. If the
0: boxes aren't checked, don't do it. You know, um, I'm curious what your reaction would be to this. You know, when entrepreneurs ask me for advice about their business, they, they're struggling. I, I, I liken a business to a Great Dane. The Great Dane will tell you how the Great Dane will tell you what to do with the business, and and how well you're doing. If if the Great Dane is pulling you down the street. And you can't keep up with it, it's gonna rip your shoulder off. Right. right? Okay. That's telling you about the business. That's the signal that's telling you to reinvest to double down, right? Gotcha. Because you can't catch your breath. If on the other hand that great dame just sits his butt down (laughs) the sidewalk and it's like Marmaduke, right? And you're yanking on the thing, you're saying, Please, please, won't you please walk? Right? That that's That's a useful signal, right? Marmaduke's telling you something. I hope I'm mm -hmm. I'm not breaking all kinds of copyright laws. The big great Dane from a comic strip is telling (laughs) you something that that you need to be listening to. And sometimes you're just never going to get that dog to move.
1: Right. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So think back from when you you closed either Big Fellows or the the video production company. Think about the day after. What, What was that day like for you?
1: It's I guess the analogy would be like after a big race. Say you just did a decathlon or a, a marathon, and you're exhausted. You're regrouping. You start just start thinking, what's the next step? And you got to take a little time to just let the fog clear. Yeah. Otherwise, you may you may make a knee jerk reaction and do something, um, go in a bad direction. Right. Just like a rebound relationship. Right. Exactly. <laughs> take some time. Yes. Let it let it marinate, and do. You know, not to be cliche, but do an autopsy of what happened. Yeah. And that will give you things to to then make sure of when you're doing your next project, you know, to look into. Well, here's what caused us to fail before. Let's answer this. For example, I can tell you like what happened at Da Vinci's. Here's everything we fixed that now we're 13 years in. Yeah. So the mistake we made the first time is we tried to compete on price. So what we did with Pizza Hut, so what we said, let's make off sizes. So their extra large is smaller than ours. Right? Their extra large is 16, ours is 20. So the off sizes gave us our price control back. Domino's was get the door, speed of delivery. So in a better product, we started par-baking our dough almost like bread. And mm. it makes a better product. So we could get to the door in 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. We could beat them by changing our process. And then Papa John's was easy because they sort of abandoned quality. You know, me and Jason both came up through Papa John's. Oh, really? I was, Yeah. I was a manager there for about five years. Jason was even longer. And they used to fly us out to the tomatoes and let us pick tomatoes. And they canned can them like preserves. And all of that is gone. So we decided to hang our hat on quality. And, and the thing about quality is just don't add stuff to it. <laughs> hmm. You know, just make it in its natural form. So that's what we did. So we addressed what were the strengths of all three and what would not necessarily beat them, but like judo, use their strength against them what wouldn't hurt us. That's everything we learned from the first
0: time. Now, it's interesting, the overcomplicating part. Pizza seems to me that to have the attraction, that has got to be one of the easier foods to make. Is that fair or not?
1: No, because I you know. can make it a million different ways. Yeah, yeah. So okay. to me, it's hard to make it well, to make it taste like you'll see the commercials made with whole mozzarella. Why isn't it whole mozzarella? Right. You know, ours is whole mozzarella, right. it's like they're putting oil and everything in there. We're like, just use the cheese.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 maybe yeah, I guess yeah that should be table stakes. Right? <laughs> what, what is the alternative? Right. right? Part mozzarella and part toxic slice. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> so when you see that cheese stretching, that's oil.
0: Cheese shouldn't do that. <sighs> well, I think I'll have hummus for lunch now instead of pizza. <laughs> so, um, so how long did it take for that fog to lift, right? You're in that, you're in that post-mortem. You've, you've run that race. You're exhausted. How long did it take you then to say, okay, I think I'm ready to try something again? Actually,
1: when you have... It's kind of like when you're ending a relationship, sometimes it's over before it actually is. Yeah. So you, there's a little bit of relief in it, and then you have it in the back of your mind, being an entrepreneur, there's something else I've been wanting to try. Okay. So that's when I started my video production studio. Okay. So I went and sat down with my dad, put down a plan, and actually him to make an investment. I was going to pay a return on his investment, and I founded my studio.
0: And how long did that, I mean, was that days, hours, weeks? Uh couple weeks it wasn't long so you weren't that wasn't you're right they run like i mean you were
1: ready to got bills to pay you got knocked down (laughs) you're ready to get back up and and even in sunsetting it i had set aside reset money because i knew unless i was going to get a job if i was going to try
0: something else i was preparing for that too so so, uh, yeah and i'd like to explore that point so one of the things you did was in effect you had that contingency plan you made it wasn't that you ran out of money that you spent your last dollar. Right. But you ran out of money in terms of what you were prepared to spend. Exactly. And you set sort of this point of no return. Exactly. That you just weren't going to go by. Yep. And then that empowered you to then to have the dry powder to come back. Exactly. And also, you're not in a financial panic where you have to get a job. Exactly. <sighs> so you're leaving yourself more choices. Mm-hmm. Right? So- one thing i was advising a client of mine that's in a that's in a dispute and we're trying to help him negotiate it is you know if if you got a raccoon that you got to get rid of right and you got a cornered you want to have two things you want to have a club <laughs> and you want to have a hole in the wall for it to run out through right <laughs> okay. Oth- cuz otherwise it will not end well <laughs> and what you had right you made sure that you had that hole through the wall <laughs> right. to run through right, <laughs> right. Because if you didn't have that, at some point where there's a point of no return, you mm-hmm. start making irrational yes. decisions. Yes. Right, And maybe you would have stuck with it longer than you should have because you, you wouldn't have had an alternative. One right? bad decision leads to another. It does. It does. And, and there's studies that, that talk about when people are in financial crisis, their effective IQ is reduced by 10 to 15%. Mm, okay. So staying out of that empowers you. Literally, your brain chemistry lets you make better decisions.
1: Yeah, I guess it was a part of me that's always kept me from going for broke. Yeah. And it's like, well go for it, but not to broke, just to make sure if it's gonna work or not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well and and I think I think no serial entrepreneur has ever gone for broke. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Right. So, right. okay. That that that's the definition of a one time entrepreneur, <laughs> one way or the other. <laughs> gotcha. Um so what what kind of uh what kind of expenses when you're you know you you generally can't close a business for free, mm-hmm. or maybe you can. You tell me. My impression is you can't do that. You know, do you need to have some capital set aside to make sure that you can close the business in an orderly manner? It depends how you set up your vendor relationships. Okay. If you have a lot
1: of fourteen-day, uh, thirty-day terms, uh, yes, because you got all that flow through. You got to account for once you close. We pretty much ran. Um, pretty close to the day of operations. So it was literally just the leases and then we got deposits back. So that was good too. That okay. helped from utilities and everything else. So okay.
0: we didn't really run along receivables that we owed. So and towards the end you basically moved to a cash basis. Exactly. Right? Yep. A, you didn't pay for anything unless you had the cash to pay for right. it. Right. Um any other any other key lessons? that you can think of or you know, maybe something that you might have done differently in closing either of these, these businesses?
1: Experience is the best teacher. Yeah. So looking back, there's lots of things I know I should have did, but at that time you don't know them until afterwards, right? But I do tell other people that are looking to start their own businesses is, is expect to fail. That way the pressure's off i said you're you have the least experience you haven't you're in the weakest position ever and you're going to put all that pressure on yourself so if anything prepare yourself to try it again
0: that's uh, interesting it, it, uh, it reminds me of what i think is the samurai code not that i'm an expert in japanese history but i think the samurai code is samurai would go out to battle with the mentality they're already dead good so okay at yeah point, they i've had heard nothing that nothing to lose mm-hmm. right so yep. If you're already dead, sure I'll jump into the five other people with spears and swords and stuff. Why not, right?
1: And and the other thing that I would advise is for me with that mentality, until I reached a certain point, I always just committed my own money. I see a lot of people so use other people's money. I was never been comfortable with that, right? And so when I would go in expecting to fail, I just make sure I was the only one at risk.
0: You know, I I think that's that's smart. Um, you you see a lot of you see the use of a, an expression called friends, family, and fools hmm. that will fund <laughs> startups, right? And and at the outset, they say, look, I don't care if I get money back. I'm just investing in you. I'd like you to be successful. Um, But then, and sometimes it turns out to be right. Sometimes it's not, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. maybe your business is not doing as well as you thought. And yeah, I was... Kind of curious when I might be able to get some of my money back. Right, right. That's I thought you weren't interested in that. Well, I got some expenses now, and
1: it is funny you say that. You know how I funded Da Vinci's? No, I literally went to my dad and I said, "Let me rent two credit cards from you. I'll pay you a hundred dollars a month until I give them back to you, balance free." So he lent me two credit cards. I went. We bought some used equipment and some stuff from Best Buy, and that's how we started.
0: Is that right? Yeah. And you paid back every penny. Yep.
1: Within like nine months, I gave him his card back.
0: And with all the other businesses, you paid all, you paid all your vendors, anybody that extended credit, you paid back every penny, correct? Yep. Yes. And I think you're proud of that. Yeah. As, as you should be. You didn't walk away from anything. Nobody hung anything. And if you ever need him again, he'll right, Absol- be right there for you. My
1: dad's been there every time. When I did the studio, he loaned me 30000 And when I was closing it, I converted his uh, investment into a straight interest loan. So over five years, I just made payments to
0: close him out as I was closing the business out. You know, when when you take money from family and friends, I mean, I, I don't think I could do it either. I I, I don't, uh, I I don't have a suspension of guilt or responsibility. Right, and it would just make for some pretty awkward Thanksgiving conversations and Christmas conversations, right? You know. Pass the turkey, and by the way, yeah. how's your business doing? <laughs> right, like, chirp, chirp, like chirp. I've
1: told you, I have entrepreneurs credit. Some things worked, some things didn't. Yeah. But your family and friends—they didn't do a credit check when they
0: gave you the money, right? So they were always the first I paid. Yeah. Um, this this is this has been great. I think we're our listeners are going to learn a ton. And again, I'm so grateful for your willingness to come on and talk about this—the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll never have to go through it again. But right. obviously, if you do. You obviously know what you're doing. If somebody is kind of thinking about this, is, is, can they reach out to you, maybe shoot you an email or sure. something and ask you about your experience with it? Because I think it would really help them. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, you can reach me at Mylas at com. At com.
0: Yep. Okay, <laughs> So we're adapting. Well, that's great. Thank you so much. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's program. And I want to thank Mylas so much for joining us and, and sharing his expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next business decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review with your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Brady Ware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.